Welcome to 30 Minutes on 91.3 KXCI Tucson. I'm Amanda Schager. Today on 30 Minutes, we'll hear excerpts from an April 2015 presentation convened by the YWCA Tucson as part of their ongoing community discussion on mass incarceration and how it affects our community. This session features formerly incarcerated Sue Ellen Allen, author of Slumber Party from Hell. This is part one of a multi-part series. Special thanks to Hilary Eshelman for recording this presentation. Up first, an introduction by YWCA board member Diane Wilson, followed by Sue Ellen Allen. I'm chair of the advocacy committee for the YWCA, and basically we try to cause trouble. <laughs> <laughs> We, we want to make sure that people are thinking, and we want to make sure that people are provoked. Our mission is to empower women, eliminate racism, and promote justice. And all of those goals will be talked about tonight. We're planning more of these forums next year, and any of you have some ideas, we'll take suggestions. Tonight we have two excellent speakers, two women who have experienced prison, and we'll talk about those experiences in profound ways. We are asking that you hold your questions till the end of the talk because they may cover some things that you already have questions about. I first became interested in this subject when I wrote a grant to provide life and job search skills for women in prison who were within three to six months of release. I didn't know what to expect. And I never expected to be so moved by the stories I heard. I never expected to witness the level of commitment from women who want to turn their lives around and were brave enough to do it. And I learned things I had never known, including why they were there. The title of this forum tonight is Women and Prison and People of Color in Prison. The subtitle is Why Are this, These Two Populations Being Increasingly Incarcerated? The answer most often is because of the failed war on drugs and federal mandatory minimum sentencing, which is actually causing more of these populations to be arrested and sentenced to prison. Mandatory minimum sentences mean that a fixed law determines how long someone is sentenced to prison. Judges do not determine that, nor do they have the discretion to modify the sentence based on someone's history or circumstances. The goal of these sentencing policies was to arrest the organizers and managers of the drug trade. But in the case of women, this is not what happened. They were most often at the low end of the trade in terms of job assignments, and therefore had no one to give up to cut a deal with the prosecutors, hence prison. The green sheet on the table over there includes some facts to know about women in prison in Arizona. The average age is 30 to 40 years. 79% have committed nonviolent crimes. 
Two-thirds of those re-entering prison are there for technical violations of their parole or probation, not for new crimes. 82% have one or more children. Their sentencing impacts their children. Children are six times more likely to be incarcerated if one or more parent is incarcerated. Another kind of sentencing continues after release from prison for persons convicted of drug-related felonies. It makes me wonder about the term ex-offender. These laws impact our families and our communities, and they need to be changed. Now, it's my pleasure to introduce Sue Ellen Allen. I had never met her before tonight, but I have heard that she's an inspiring speaker, and I have read her book, The Slumber Party from Hell. At the end of every chapter, she closes with these words, inside and out. What she learned inside, she now invites us who are outside to learn. And having learned that, we can never unlearn it. Sue Ellen Allen is an author, speaker, and passionate activist with a fascinating past and a compelling present. She found her passion and purpose in prison and now serves as co-founder and executive director for Gina's Team, which is a nonprofit organization that brings educational programs into prisons and juvenile facilities to inspire the inmate population to strive for a better future and successful reentry. Through collaboration with Athena International, which she will talk to you about, Gina's team's most significant programs bring the Athena leadership model inside the prison system and I'm sorry, impacting lives in powerful and unexpected ways. As a result of this program, the recidivism rate for their graduates is 6%, significantly less than the 60% state and nationwide Department of Corrections figure. They offer a welcome back reentry program for their graduates. Reentry is a serious problem that costs society both in humanity and in tax dollars. Her memoir about prison life, The Slumber Party from Hell, is a leader in sparking the conversation about the cost Americans face as the world's incarceration nation, both in tax dollars and in human lives. So I am pleased to introduce to Ellen. I really didn't know she was going to do all that introduction. Usually I just say, just say Sue Ellen Allen because, you know, it's a lot. <laughs> and thank you so much for that. Well, she gave a wonderful introduction, but I know you want to hear the straight skinny, right? So here's the straight skinny. I'm 69 and t 10 twelfths years old. I went to prison for securities fraud, and I weigh 149 pounds. That's everything, right? Everything you want to know. I served seven years, and I'd just like to know 
How many people here have actually, are actually a sister or brother in orange? In other words, you've been there. Uh, or you have somebody that's you've been touched. Yeah, you've had some, you know somebody in prison. Yeah, okay, cousins, cousins work. So you, so that's, a, you're, you're here because you have a vested interest in this. I, I just have to congratulate Tucson. Wow, it's better mic too. Because you all are so progressive. I live in Phoenix. <laughs> it's hotter and people are dumber. <laughs> if you ever decide you're really going to, oh, I hope nobody's from Phoenix here. If you ever decide you're going to break off into a state, which you talked about at one time, I'm moving. So, but really, congratulations to all the Y people. We don't have programs like this in Phoenix. We have really big speakers that come in from New York or somewhere like that, and they charge $150 for lunch. And I can't, I can't afford to go, you know. So I'm real happy to be here because, and I'm really thrilled that you all are here too. I'm going to tell you a little bit about my prison story, and I'm going to tell you I noticed that you have this very cool um, what am I going to do thing. So what are the takeaways? Oh, I have responsibilities. I have three takeaways. I have to, uh, given the information you learned today, I need to do more of something, and I'm going to start doing something. I'm going to stop doing something, and I'm going to continue doing something. Wow, I love that. It's fantastic. I want to steal this because I want to, or borrow it or have it or whatever. Thank you so much. Um, so, first of all, imagine Perryville Prison is in Goodyear. It's just outside of the city of Phoenix, and it's on the highway, the 10, to Los Angeles. And if, when you're sitting in your cell, occasionally you'll hear honk, 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 and you know it's somebody that knows somebody in prison. It's like a little connection to the outside world. It's 40, almost 40 years old, that prison. And it's, the, the cells are pretty bad. They, they slap a coat of paint on about every five years when it's peeled off really badly. The floors are concrete. The cells have a, a toilet and a, a, a toilet and a sink. And uh, that's nice because you actually have a real sink and you have a real toilet. In modern prisons, it's a, and these are porcelain because it's so old. In modern prisons, they have a sink toilet combined and it's stainless steel so it's really yucky you kind of wonder when you're washing your hands where is that water coming from so I know you're wondering about Jody right where is she so let's get that out of the way Jody Arias she's there she's in one of those cells it's about six by eleven and she's in a cell by herself and somebody just did a thing that she has carpet on the floor and she's getting special treatment? No. I can guarantee you she has no carpet. The only carpet I ever saw there was in the warden's office. Everything else is concrete. Or it could be um, linoleum if it's special. But no, no cells have that. It's all concrete. The better if you bleed or if you throw up or something, it's easier to clean. And she is, for those of you who are pro or against the death penalty, I will tell you that she has gone into a living death. And she will have that living death. She's a young woman, so as long as she lives, she will have that knowing that she will never leave that place. And it's a draconian, dreadful place. It's designed. I've had people from prison say, your punishment is not 
uh, it's not, we're not here to punish you by treating you badly. Your punishment is coming to prison and being separated from society. Well, they haven't told the guards that because, and, and prison is like a, a bell jar, bell, a bell curve. 20% of, of the guards, they don't like to be called guards, by the way, you call them correctional officers. Don't ever call them guards. Any guards here? <laughs> Any officers here? So 20% want to really make a difference. They've chosen to go into that field because they want to make a difference. 60% are there to punch a clock. If you're going to do something, don't do it on my, on my watch. You know, I don't want any trouble. I'm just here to punch a clock. And 20% want to make your life as miserable as humanly possible. The problem exists that that 20% watches the 80% to see if you are being nice to an inmate. You're listening to remarks made by Sue Ellen Allen, author of Slumber Party from Hell on 30 Minutes, 91.3 KXCI Tucson. I entered, I entered jail. I was in Sheriff Arpaio's jail for six months, and I had advanced breast cancer. I had, I would not be alive today if I hadn't had my medical records and a bald head because I had already started chemo. When you have advanced breast cancer, it's uh, chemotherapy and then mastectomy and then radiation or more chemo and radiation. So I'd started that. And it was stage 3B, and the doctors had said, you know, five years if you're lucky, 50%. But I had my mastectomy while I was under in the sheriff's guest house. Uh, not. And it's, you, you know, if, you've any, if you know anybody with breast cancer or you've dealt with anybody or you've had it yourself, imagine going to your mastectomy shackled and handcuffs with a belly chain around you, and so you walk like this, and... You're walking through the hospital in black and white stripes. I was so humiliated. And you're up all night because the, the way you travel is so awful. You, they keep you up all night. <sighs> I don't know why. It's just the way they do it in Maricopa. And at 2 o'clock in the morning, they take you out in the hall and they handcuff you. They shackle you first. You can stand against the wall and you put your feet out and you know you get used to the routine of it and they don't have to tell you anything because you just know how to do it and then they handcuff you to two other women and so you all go to the door finally there's 50 50 women and fr from here to about there you are actually outside and it's two o'clock in the morning and you think oh outside but of course you can't see the stars because it's phoenix and all you can smell are diesel fumes from the bus you're getting on. But they take you downtown under the courthouse, and you, they take you in a room that's about this size, maybe about half, about half this size. And it used to be the old morgue. And it's all concrete and cinder block walls. And there's one toilet, open toilet, and for 50 women. And they take off the, the handcuffs, but not the shackles. And so some people actually kind of pace and some people actually lie down and try to sleep on the concrete. If you've ever tried to do that, those of you who, you know, you know how it, it's horrible. And um, some people pray and some people talk and, and, um, and it's freezing, freezing cold. It's like an ice rink. And there's little tiny roaches all over the place. I don't know how they live in this ice rink, but they do. 
So here are these little tiny roaches. Finally, they move you out and they take you upstairs to the holding cells that'll hold 10 women with steel bunks, no mattresses, just steel. So now you've gone con from concrete to steel and you're there another few hours until they start taking you to the courts. And you get your sack for, for breakfast, lunch, and dinner because you won't have anything to eat for a, till probably five o'clock that day. And the sack is four, four pieces of bread and a piece of really bologna that really does look kind of like this. And um, it, uh, if you're lucky, you might get an old orange and Kool-Aid. It was always blue when I went. And uh, I don't know why it was blue, but it was kind of just disgusting. But I couldn't eat because I was going to have surgery. Everybody left, and then it was just me. And I wait, and I wait, and they finally come to get me about 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock. You don't have a watch. You're not supposed to know what time it is. And they take me to the hospital, and they put me in another room about a quarter of this size. It has linoleum. And I get a chair, a plastic chair. <gasps> I was so excited. And it was freezing again. I asked for a blanket, and they just snarl at you. You know, you don't need a blanket, no. And I think, why is everybody so grumpy? I don't know. Maybe it's their job. Because who would want to do that work, really? But finally, about 4.30 in the afternoon, they they're going to take me. But meanwhile, all day I've been having a conversation with God. And my conversation's kind of gone like, God, this is Sue Ellen. Remember me? I am humiliated. I'm disgraced. I'm 57 years old. My life is over. What's left for me? One slip of the surgeon's knife, and it'll be over. Please, God, just one slip. But then, finally, I said, but if I wake up, I'll know you're not done with me yet. So five hours later, after they take me in to surgery, they finally took the shackles off when I got on the table. That was when the guards took the shackles off, and they waited. They waited in the corner and watched. And um, about five hours later, I woke up. I don't know how, why it was so long, but I woke up in the hospital ward, and the first thought I had was, oh, God, you're not done with me yet. And here I am. Here I am. So I was there for five incredible days. Five days of hospital food. Imagine how horrible your life is when you think hospital food is fabulous. I was so thrilled with it. And I had pillows. You don't have any pillows in the jail. No pillows. That's country club. So I had pillows and I had, you know, a cherry tomato every day and real knives and forks. And oh my gosh. And, and, but I asked for a pastor or a priest or somebody to come and pray with me, and nobody came. Nobody touched me but the nurses with their needles and the surgeons with their knives. And then finally, at the end of five days, when the Joffrey tube was out, and I was sent back to the prison, and the women were glad to see me. And they hugged me, and they laughed with me, and they cried with me. And human touch is so incredible. And they sat in my cell, and we talked about what had happened. And they used a lot of bad words that I won't repeat, because I know none of you have ever heard those words. Uh, um, you hear more of them in prison, and you hear them a lot. <laughs> but I told them I, the, that they had written a memo to the jail 
that I was to have a pillow because I had lost 28 lymph nodes and I was at high risk of lymphedema. So I needed a pillow to cushion my arm and protect it and from lymphedema because once you get it, you know, it doesn't go away and they're not going to give you therapy. And the women were really, they just felt helpless because they knew there was nothing they could do. And finally they left my cell and about three hours later they came back and they said, close your eyes, Sue Ellen, and hold out your hands. And I felt the softest thing. Oh, oh, it was a pillow. Where had they found a pillow? Would you like to see it? That wasn't a very big, hmm. <laughs> I won't show it to you then. Would you like to see it? Oh, all righty then. It did not come in a Tiffany bag. But here is the pillow. Now, some of you older ladies will know that this is maternity Kotex. Nobody wears this anymore except the ladies in the jail. And they gave up their state issue to weave these together. And then they took one and shredded it so they could get this thread. And they took their goth pencils and they wove, they used it as a, as a tool to weave, sew the thread, the, the thread. And then at the, each corner, they tied a bow. And then they fringed it to give it that designer look. And I have had some beautiful pillows in my life, but none that ever equaled the love and the care that went into this. At the darkest time of my life, the drug addicts, the prostitutes, and the thieves looked after me. And I will never forget them. This is not the original pillow. It is long gone. But I actually went back to the jail and spoke. And I asked them if they would give me some. Because I, I went online. I looked everywhere. You know, I thought maybe in China or someplace. No. Um, so this is the real stuff, but it's just not the real pillow. And don't come up here and finger it because, you know, I don't have any more. Don't be wanting to touch that. <coughs> so, okay. Then I went to prison, from jail to prison. And prison is a whole different story. Imagine, imagine you have a billion-dollar business in Arizona. It's a billion-dollar business. In, in America, it's a $74 billion business. But in a... In Arizona, it's a billion-dollar business. And imagine a 60% failure rate is the business plan. If Apple Computer got 60% of its products back, or Mayo Clinic had 60% of its patients die, would they be in business? Is that an acceptable business plan for our capitalistic country? Not just no, but hell no. Nobody's going to accept that. They would close their doors in a heartbeat. But it's perfectly acceptable in corrections. We are not unique. Arizona's not unique. It's, just, it's everywhere, 60%. I mean, give or take, it could be 48%. It could be 50%. In some states, it's like 73%. What are they doing? Uh, but it's bad. And the reason it's bad is because there is no preparation. Now, if Mr. Ryan, the director of prisons, was here right now, he would just be all over me like white on rice because he would say, if you go to their website, there are all these programs. Now, if you ever meet him, I, don't, I hope nobody's related here. Are you? Are you related? Did you raise your hand? 
<laughs> anyway, say, wow, Mr. Ryan, that is, that is really fantastic. I'm so glad you do those programs. But let's just look at this program right here. How many people out of the 42,000 inmates in Arizona prison are eligible for this program? Well, I promise you he will say, I will have to get back to you on that because I don't know, but I will have somebody look it up. And then you say, well, I happen to know it's 14. And then you say, well, and this one, do you know how many are in this one? No, I'll get back to you. Well, I happen to know it's 19. So you just ask how many because that's the key. They do have some programs, but they're, they're not enough for 42,000 people. And they have a billion-dollar budget, but it's not going to the right places. Now, I tell you it's not going to inmate food because I never saw it. I, well, I stopped seeing tomatoes after the third year I was there. We used to get every six weeks a paper-thin slice of tomato on the burger. I was so excited every time. I would trade my meat for uh, some tomato slices, and then I have a tomato sandwich. But they went away, and the oranges went away, and the apples went away and now there's no fruit whatsoever except tinned mandarin oranges and um, uh, you know no bananas no nothing it's bad and so that they're not spending it on that they make the uniforms there the women the, the inmates make the uniforms they're orange and when I went in, we got new, brand new orange. And new under, underpants and new bras. And, but now you don't get new. You get used. And you just haven't lived until you've gotten gray panties that are gray that, like this floor. And that, you know, they've been worn a lot. And that's your new panties. So I don't know where the money is going because the, even the corrections officers aren't paid that much. And it's... And the funny thing is, I know people that have gone through the training, and they say the training is fantastic. It's excellent. And it's inspirational. And, but the minute they walk on the yard, the atmosphere is, the, the culture is negative. That's the problem. The culture is negative. And this is our country that has a negative culture about inmates. You've been listening to remarks made at an April 2015 presentation convened by the YWCA Tucson as part of their ongoing community discussion on mass incarceration and how it affects our community. This session features formerly incarcerated Sue Ellen Allen, author of Slumber Party from Hell. This is part one of a multi-part series. Special thanks to Hillary Eshelman for recording this presentation. I'm Amanda Schager. Thank you for listening to 30 Minutes on 91.3 KXCI Tucson.